This is the Let's Get Real Estate Show with your host, Danielle Chason. Full-time investor, strategic consultant, motivational coach, sought-after speaker, and host of your number one real estate investing show, Let's Get Real Estate, where real people are doing real estate. What's going on, listeners? My name is Greg Brooks from Rocket Station Virtual Staffing. Super pumped to join my friend Danielle Chase on on this week's episode. Um, over COVID, you know, virtual assistance for real estate professionals became a very hot topic. A lot of people tried it. Some had success. A lot didn't. So what we're here to do is kind of share our playbook on how we hire, train, onboard, and manage over. 2,000 virtual assistants for property managers, investors, asset management companies, um, and real estate agents and brokerages all across Canada and the U.S. So tons of nuggets in this episode. So thanks for, thanks for listening in and let's get going. Hey, everybody. It's Danielle Chason and welcome back to the Let's Get Real Estate podcast. I'm your host and today I'm excited, very excited. I've got... Uh, Rocket Station, Greg Brooks from Rocket Station here to share with you guys how to automate your businesses and get out of the day-to-day tasks that bog us down and keep us away from the things that we should be doing and spending our time on the highest and best use of our time. Greg, welcome to the show. Danielle, thanks so much for uh, thanks so much for having us. Hey, two Canadians got to connect earlier, so I'm having a good day already. I'm excited to dive in here. <laughs> I'm so excited. I'm really excited. The reason why I'm excited is because I need this. I need this. I need this to automate stuff in my business. I'm all about people that know me. You know, I'm all about systems, automations, and having things. The nice thing about automations is that it limits your liability and reduces risk. And especially in real estate, the numbers are big. So if you make a mistake or you oversee something and it takes you an extra month to complete a task, then it could be a month of rental income. It could be a month of carrying costs on an empty unit. It could be all like the numbers are big and it, and eventually it just eats up your profitability. So I'm really excited about how we can use VAs to do that. So Greg, before we dive in too, too deep into all of that, which I'm so excited to do that, I want to know a little bit about Rocket Station, how it came to be and what it is you guys do in service. Yeah, definitely. No. And then once again, thanks for having us. So we are a uh, virtual staffing company specific to the real estate industry. So our business, we work with property managers, we work with investors, we work with agents and brokers, both on the commercial as well as residential side. And as well, we've got a home service division working with home inspectors, plumbers, general contractors. And we've got uh, just over 2,200 team members that are based halfway around the world in the Philippines. I'm, I'm dialed in here today from, from Dallas, Texas. That's where our, our headquarters are. And, and really what we help our clients do is really simple. Everyone, I think, especially coming out of COVID, is at least somewhat familiar with VAs and the power that it can give you as a business owner. But finding them can be really hard. And finding talented, vetted, trained VAs is really, really hard, if not impossible, if you haven't done this before. So we fill that gap, just finding great people that are from halfway around the world that can be plugged into your business, whether it's lead generation, whether it's sales, customer service, transaction coordination support, um, really helping just find talented individuals with that are you know super educated, you know, uh, have tons of professional experience and pairing them with your business so they can be maximized. The second thing that we do is every real estate investor, you know, processes can be a uh, an, an icky word at times. So what we also help our clients do is figure out what they actually need a VA to do. And we do that through process documentation 
SOP standard operating procedure creation to help set not just the VA up for success when they start working for you, but to set the investor or set the property manager up for success where they can effectively hand whatever the task is or the role off with confidence without them having to worry about when am I going to find time to train this person. Okay. So wait, so did you just say that you create the SOP and then you train the VA to do the, to follow that process and implement what I need done? Is that what you just said? Yeah, exactly. Right. It's like, it's like the, uh, the lottery ticket for every investor, right? Everybody, what everyone, what they're looking for. Uh, but yeah, we do. We, and in this business, our, our, my, my partner, he was a real estate investor. Um, you know, we, we all, we all have dabbled or, or have been full-time investors at one point or another. And I'm definitely sales guy through and through, you know, I know that I'm a firefighter visionary can get up and get the work done, but ask me what I did or how I do it or, try to get me to train somebody and that's not my forte. So this whole business and how we structure the experience for our clients at Rocket Station is built around the fact that, I mean, real estate investing is a crazy fast paced, like you said, <laughs> business where every single hour, day, second adds up to your to your bottom line. So what we do is give the clients and give give our partners resources to be able to document those systems and processes, conceptualize, literally create tangible booklets, training, videos, checklists, so that that VA right from the jump can jump in and know what they need to do and how they need to do it based around how your company operates. Wow. And you just said it because you said, because real estate is a business. And I think there are a lot of real estate investors and listen up, listen up guys. If this is you, you've got one or two or three or four properties and you're like, I want to buy another one and I can't do it because I don't have the time. I don't have, you're not treating it as a business and you probably still have a job, which is okay. But just because you have a job doesn't mean you can't treat your real estate as a business and function at a high level, managing people under you to run that real estate business. And if you can do it with VAs that are affordable, then it works within the system that you're operating when it comes to the financial component. So I'm, I'm like all over this. Like, I think a lot of people that are listening do real estate on the side. They have a real estate side thing. They have a, they, they have real estate hustle, um, side gig, or oh, I'm trying to build my retirement. You know what? Run it as a business. And if you run it as a business, you're going to have different results. So if you're stuck, it's because you got to change what you're doing and make it better. And this is the guy here that can make it better. Like Greg, I'm so excited about this. Okay. So let's dive into this. I'm going to tell you I'm going to tell you my challenges working with VAs. And this is where you can say, this is what you're doing wrong, Danielle, <laughs> and why you need me. Yeah, <laughs> but definitely. initially, when you think VAs, you think call centers, right? Like all call centers come from overseas. So when you think of VA, you think of call center. VAs, by the way, VA is a acronym for virtual assistant for those of you who don't know. And it, they work virtually and typically from a, somewhere uh, in a third world country where the uh, labor rates are a little bit more affordable. So um, you train them, they work virtually. Call centers overseas is typically what VAs were years ago. And now they do way more than that. But the challenge that I have the challenge that I have, it's more than just cold calling for me now. The challenge that I have is when I hire a VA, they don't know what it is I need. And so, and you have to give them a very detailed process for them to follow because they're very good at following instruction. But we as business owners are very terrible at giving instruction and direction. 
And so unless it's a simple task, I haven't gone further than that with my VAs. So what is it like, how do we overcome that challenge? And I know you mentioned earlier, maybe you can elaborate a little bit more on that. Yeah, no, definitely. I think a lot of it comes down to, to training, right? I mean, both of us are, are based in North America and even just the world of real estate. I mean, I know until I was introduced to this crazy world of investing and syndication and wholesaling seven years ago, like I didn't know how it worked, right? Most people on the surface, they just know, hey, eventually I'm going to buy a house. I'm going to get a real estate agent and they're going to help me buy that house. So when you take that out of, you know, into context and you're like, okay, I'm going to hire somebody from the Philippines or I'm going to hire somebody from Mexico or Nicaragua. Number one, just like any new employee, you have to assume that they don't really know the inner and outer workings that you as the investor, you who owns properties or is, is actively wholesaling properties, like all of the tricks and nuances and strategies and even just the jargon that, you know, that, that you that you as the investor have, have become, you know, very comfortable and, and very, you know, normalized within, within what you're doing. So I think that's the biggest piece. People you know, people go on Upwork, they go on the, on the freelance websites and they, they put too much stock into the resume, right? So take, for example, a big part of what we do in our screening process and all of our VAs go through a six week real estate specific training. So we do recruit from outside of the real estate world because what we recruit and kind of how we built our company is the best talent, right? We feel like just like probably most of the listeners at one point, you probably didn't know anything about real estate investing and you weren't a good real estate investor. And now you, you are a good real estate investor, right? So anything can be trained. So what we do is we really hire to talent. For example, people who have outbound sales experience, customer support experience, data management, CRM management experience. And then we spend six weeks with them training them on just the flow of real estate, the difference between asset management to property management to, to investing, to syndication, to you know creative financing. Like we put them through um, you know, specific training to the role that they're gonna have. And I think a lot of people, when they jump in, they see on a resume, oh, this person's done cold calling for an investor before. Awesome. What I like to tell people is for most VAs out there, for a quality person, depending on what country you're hiring in, Anywhere from six, seven dollars an hour to fifteen dollars an hour is probably the range, depending on the role and, and what you can expect to spend per hour on somebody that if you were to hire here in North America would be a sixty, seventy thousand dollar a year type employee, depending on what market you're in. And what a lot of people kind of oversee and or or, or overstep and don't realize is you know, just be if if as an investor, if you had that VA for eight, nine bucks an hour and they were a great cold caller, or they were a great lead gen specialist, would you ever give that person up, right? No, that's an ATM, right? If they're a great cold caller and consistently bring you motivated leads. So using that logic, it's like, look at this person. If they're available, it doesn't mean they're necessarily bad, but you always have to assume day one that the level of training needs to be brought up to a certain standard just so that they can have the contextual knowledge to have conversations with distressed property owners um, or you know wh whatever whatever type of list that you're, you're soliciting. So I think the number one thing that we see so many people who, who end up coming and working with us and, and all of the nightmare and horror stories, and I've heard them all, is like they don't invest in any training. And, 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 you know, they're, they're the, the investor for one reason or another is trying to hire, right? They're either the market, there's an opportunity they're trying to take advantage of. Um, you know, maybe business is shifting and they're trying to save some funds and, and limit their acquisitions team while still being able to hit all their leads consistently. And they're just trying to be like, oh, on that resume, they said they cold call. Perfect. You do it. And I just think for, as, as for, for the listeners, as you're transitioning from maybe 
the part-time investor or the person who has, you know, a day job and you've got three, four, five houses in your portfolio, just like you said, treating it like a business right from day one. And part of that means investing in the training with every team member, whether they're sitting in your office or halfway around the world, you've got to be able to invest those resources and that time to ensure that person is set up for success and set up to work the way you want them to. That makes total sense. I never, I just want to go back there for a minute. Cause you said like, if they have on their resume that they did cold calling and they did it for two or three or four clients, or they've done it for, you know, three years and they got lots of experience. Why are they looking for a job then? You're right. Like I never actually had thought about that before. So, uh, and, and there's a ton of reasons why maybe that's the case, sure. but I think your logic makes sense where more often than not, maybe they've done it, but they just haven't done it well. And so there was no retention from the employer that had them before the previous employer. So that makes complete sense to me. I love that. I'm not going to read resumes ever the same again. I think you've just ruined it <laughs> for, for anybody, uh, <laughs> trying to, trying to get hired in my corporation anyway. So, um, now one of the questions that I have about VAs is how do you manage? So you hire, you onboard them. How do you manage their output? Because one of the challenges with working from home or working remotely and then dealing with virtual assistants as an, as an employer, like I have someone who's doing admin for me five hours from here. And how do I manage her time? And how do I know she's being honest and how managing her output? So she's saying she's done this amount of time, but I don't see the output. Like, is there systems that you put in place for that? Yeah, definitely. No. And this is, this is my favorite part. Cause I think now three years ago, talking to potential clients or talking to even just people at masterminds and conferences, getting their mind wrapped around like work from home or work remote was hard. And then getting their mind wrapped around, well, you're also going to be working remotely with somebody who's halfway around the world. You know, there was a big gap there. And then all of a sudden, boom, you know, March 2020 hits and now we're all VAs, right? At least for, for certain time spans, depending on where you are. So I, I think what this comes down to for us and kind of our stance on it is always manage to outcomes, right? Meaning a lot of people they'll go get um, a digital time carding software or they'll go get you know, some type of you know, computer program or have their VA send them check-ins every hour to say, hey, show me you're working. We're big believers on managing the outcomes and, and a lot of that comes from having those processes and systems set up to where you can say, hey, in this role, let's use a cold caller, for example. In this role, I expect you to make 250 dials a day. I expect of those 250 dials, 30 warm leads, people who respond and are interested. And then from that, I'm expecting one to two potential deals that we send contracts to. Having those three numbers, you now don't have to worry about micromanaging that person, whether they're in your office or halfway around the world, because you as a business owner, not as someone who's self-employed or as a part-time investor, but as a business owner, now has KPIs and metrics that that person is held accountable to. And when you mix that with empowering that person to do the job through having systems and processes that are documented and call scripts, um, it, it allows you to make them solely responsible for that outcome. And what we find, and keep in mind, we're a company where, I mean, 95% of our team members are halfway around the world. So we've always been work. We've been work from home before work from home was cool. Um, we've, <laughs> we've kind of always been this. Um it allows for a lot better culture. It allows for a higher output when strategies aren't working. It allows you to dive in deeper and pivot and solve problems 
rather than trying to micromanage and look over someone's shoulder and say, hey, are, you, are you doing your job? You know, did, did, you, did you do that? And, and we find a lot of the feedback we get from our clients kind of inadvertently is through the process development that leads to the KPI development. They sometimes feel like they have more in tune with what their VAs are doing than what their team in St. Louis, Missouri is doing just because they don't have that same level of, of clarity because for most I mean, even Fortune 100 companies. I used to work for one of the largest CPG companies, consumer packaged good companies in North America. And like for a lot of managers, knowing your team is quote unquote doing good is one of two things. It's either the quarterly roll up to see if you made the money you expected, which at that point, it's way too late to adjust and pivot. Or it's looking across the hall and saying, oh, there's Danielle. She's pounding out emails. She's working hard. I know she's employee number one, but there's no real alignment with where you want your business to go. So having those numbers and managing people to numbers, I'm personally a big believer. Like, I don't care if you work five hours or if you have to work 15 hours, every role we create, every role within my teams has a number you're held accountable to. So whether you can get that work done in 30 minutes, or if it takes you six hours, doesn't matter to me. Just get the role done because how we've defined it and the numbers we put in place is a key part to then this part of our business working and growing and be able being able to hit our our end goal, right? A lot of this, I'm sure some of your listeners are like, oh yeah, this is traction, right? Because that's that's it's really true, right? The traction model for anyone that hasn't read that mm-hmm. book, it's just so pivotal to really help, like you said, the part-time investor or the side hustle, the hustlepreneur as kind of has been like, you know, made famous on Instagram. Like I hate hustlepreneur. Like I don't want to work harder. I want to work smarter. Like I want to be able to leverage other people's time. And so much of that is just having those clear goals and clear outcomes. And a lot of that is derived from having processes so that you can build up to like, okay, what is this role really accountable for? Yeah. And I think, um, here, here's, even when you hire, it's like some people, what they do is they say, okay, well, I can't manage a VA or I don't have time to build that out. So I'm just going to hire somebody locally. They need to be near me. And I think that just feeds the culture of you're, you're not doing the SOP. You're not building that manual, that standard office procedure or operating procedure that you want followed. You're just barking orders at somebody and they have no system to follow. And so in their brain, they're always kind of it's chaos for them. So it's not a healthy, happy working environment for them. They don't feel productive because they didn't necessarily check things off and they don't know if they're able, if they're actually meeting your expectations because they're not able to know like what is the priority, what is more important because there's not nothing for them to follow. There's no guideline. It's just you saying, can you do this? Can you do that? And I mean, I am very guilty for that as well with my staff because I have systems. I'm very systems oriented, but even I could use a lot of help in that. And so the, like I said, the one thing that I see that is the biggest benefit to having an SOP is that people can come into work. They know what they need to do. They're relaxed. There's no anxiety and they can just bang it out. And then they, they know whether or not they perform that day. Yeah. And, and, and um, not to say everyone wants to be a billion dollar investor. Like I'm sure some of your listeners, like for myself, my wife and I, we've got three properties. We're going to use it to retire off of and put our kids through college. Very kind of that part of my portfolio is just very modest. We have a very intentional goal with it. We're not looking to go buy a 200 unit, you know, multifamily building, right? We just have a, have a little bit for a little bit of a nest egg and then for the kids. But even for us developing those systems and processes, I mean, we all see it 
every single day, right? The difference between McDonald's, to use a terrible, you know, a terrible unhealthy example, but <laughs> McDonald's and Bob's Burger Place that opens for two months and then closes and then, oh, all of a sudden new ownership. The only difference there, they're making burgers. They're flipping mm-hmm. burgers, putting cheese on it and tossing on a bun. The only difference is McDonald's is a world leader in systems and processes. And it doesn't matter how big, how much you want to scale your business. Without that, you're either trading your time or setting yourself up to not be as successful as you could be. Because either A, you're going to have to literally have your finger on every single piece because you don't have the systems and processes, or you're going to be like most investors out there. I mean, 95, 96% of investors don't make it longer than 12 months in this industry. And it's because when you start to add up everything you have to do in this transaction-based business, nobody has that many hours in a day to be able to, 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 to get enough work in to be able to accomplish the goals that most of us have when we jump into real estate. Oh, but we think we do. <laughs> yeah, we do. <laughs> so listen, so yeah, KPIs, managing the output by setting KPIs, giving a solid system for them to follow, holding them accountable to that, having them have ownership to that. I love all of that. Music to my ears. I love it. I love it, love it, love it. And as business owner, I know what to expect from them. So I know what to expect on a daily basis and I know what's going to come my way. I love that. I love that. Now, question though. So you have all of this. What if they're working on documents and they're working on stuff? Maybe I need to communicate with them. How do I, the challenge for me is I'm not very techie. I'm not going to tell you my age, um, but I'm not a millennial. And so I am like, when it comes to technology and managing them and collaboration and the cloud and all this other stuff, like how do I, like, do you set, you do the SOPs, but you also set up the systems, the tech, the software, all of that, the platforms in order to manage kind of the workflows? Yeah, definitely. And obviously being remote, being a virtual assistant, being someone who's halfway around the world, most business is done on the phone or on the computer now, but it's pivotal to have those systems set up. And, and what I would say is for most people, like don't get overwhelmed by the technology stack, right? These, the software that's out there, these designers invest millions of dollars in their user interfaces because most people, and I'm the same as you, like I'm not tech guy. Like I, I, we use, you know, say we use a, a really robust uh, tech stack here within my sales team. And all of it, I know how to manage, but like if I had to build all that, I couldn't do it. What what I would say there is for most people, platforms like Slack, platforms like Zoom, having a, whether, whether it's your, it's your agent CRM, whether you go out and get an investor specific CRM, most of them are very limited setup. Really the only people that we work with who really need to spend a lot of money to develop technology are the guys who are or in girls who are doing like the institutional investing. I'm talking people who are doing 20, 30, 40 transactions um, a month because at that level, number one, you have the capital to bring in companies and bring in experts who can set all the, like you said, the automations, who can set up the reporting, set up the numbers and, and everything on the back end to really be able to analytically run your business and have the automations in place. What we find and with most of our clients it, you don't need all of that, right? There's there's lots of great out-of-the-box CRMs that are there from communication platforms, like I said, Zoom, Slack, even Skype. There is lots of technology out of there that you can pretty much sign in, swipe your credit card, and it's ready to go. So what we do to help our clients, yes, we have the ability for the larger full-scale clients 
to help map the system end to end and then help them figure out where automations would make more sense over manual processes that either their team or VA is doing. Um, but for most of our clients, we build your SOPs and can make suggestions around, you know, just really what I would call like the basics from a technology standpoint. Cause a lot of people get, it's the worst part about the real estate industry, right? There's always way too much education and knowledge out there. There's always a course you can buy. There's always a, a mastermind <laughs> you can go to, right? But then actioning what you learn there, that's where a lot of people fall off. And then on the flip side of the technology side, there's always a new CRM. There's always a new list source. There's all a lot of it. And what we tell people is like, a lot of it is the execution. Like you can go buy 45 different CRMs, the secret list from every single website. But if you're not consistently following up with those leads, if you don't have someone who's checking the boxes in that CRM, it's not going to help your business. So what, what we do to, to help our clients through that and really give them confidence in their technology, we're fortunate enough with the clients we work with, we work with a lot of the major software companies out there directly. So anytime they have new updates, anytime there's new functionality, we work directly with their customer success teams and we've got it. We reflect that into our client's process docs and then we upskill the VA into it. Um, but for a lot of people, I tell them like, don't worry about the tech stack, right? Don't, don't stress out about it. And candidly, if your business, if you're using a piece of technology that is stressing you out, the size and the capability of that technology might not be right for where your business is at this current moment, if that makes sense. Absolutely. You know, I never really thought, gosh, you're like flipping how I think about things today. So I never really thought about that too. We think, okay, it's me. It's not, you know, we don't assume it's the technology. The technology must be right. So it must be me that can't get it right. But I never thought to look at it from the other perspective. Maybe that's just not the right fit for me and my business. And maybe I need to look at a different technology. And like you were saying, there's always a different CRM. There's always a different this or that. And I call it the dreaded learning curve. Now, as a real estate investor who's gone on a 10-year journey, like every time I figure it out and I've got a CRM that works because it's simple, it's free, and then all of a sudden I need functionality that's not available in that and, I, and then I have to shift into another CRM. Well, then there's that dreaded learning curve and you have to transfer everything over and that and then do that. But if you have a VA that can do all of that for you, it expedites it, makes it a lot less painful, 100%. And, and, and I would say as well, like on the flip side of that, I'm a big proponent, especially for our clients, but even just like kind of how I personally am, I want to know, even if it is on a surface level, how every process works, how every piece of software works, doesn't mean I've got to be the expert, doesn't mean I've got to be the builder. So what I would say from the VA standpoint, even if you are considering technology or if you're listening to this and you're like, you know what, the CRM we use now, it's a little too simple. Like I'm starting to realize that maybe I need to look at one of these bigger, more robust platforms. The other great thing about a VA is all those follow-up calls or the meetings or managing your calendar or managing your emails, all that stuff that you're spending 5, 10, 20, 30 hours a week doing that is not worth your time because that's the C and D and E level type tasks. Having a VA can free that off of your plate so that if you are at the point where you need to invest in your technology, number one, you as the business owner, that's strategy. That should be your core focus. You should be able to allocate the time to that. So a VA being able to get all the things that you don't need to be doing, all the working in the business type tasks that are, that are important to be done, but not important for the business owner to do. That's a perfect example of where you can now free up your time 
so that maybe you can go look at a more robust technology stack, but you're not worrying about the house of cards collapsing behind you because you're not the one there pulling all the levers anymore. Oh, like I feel calm and peaceness happening over me right now. I'm like, oh my God, that sounds so wonderful. Like you're talking about a beach vacation and I'm like, oh, like that <laughs> would sound so great right now. Like what you're saying to me is like, oh, that would be amazing if I could have that. I don't, I can't even explain what I'm feeling right now. It's crazy. Okay. So, um, other things. So if we're, if, if I'm, you know, smaller and I want to scale up and I know I need the help and I know, I know I need a VA, but I look at it and I go, okay, Greg, I can't really afford a VA. So how can we justify the cost? Like, I don't understand where, um, you know, if I'm looking at this, I go, okay, well, I'm just going to be spending money, spending money, spending money. Well, that's going to dip into the profits and that's ultimately going to take money away from my income. So how do we, how do we justify that? Yeah, definitely. And I think this has to do a little bit with kind of the psychology and the mindset of being a business owner, right? There's that maturation that we all go through, you know, when we kind of embark on the entrepreneurial journey or headache or crash course, you know, whatever you want to call it, um, of realizing that we at some point in our business need to take chances, right? So we can either look at the VA and I'll say for us, our VA is full-time VA, $10 an hour. You can either look at your VA and say, hey, every month that's going to be an extra 1600 bucks that I have to pay for, right? And, and a lot of people do, right? When it comes time to pull that trigger, they look at it as a cost. You know, and obviously we're a VA company, so we try to work people through this. But I think just logically, it makes sense to say that person that you're hiring, that VA, they're not, a, you know, they're, they're not a cost to the business. What they are is they're an asset because that VA is going to be able to go make 1600 outbound calls a week to prospect new deals. And if you even knock down one additional deal from that VA, what's your spread on that deal? 10,000, 20, 50, 100,000. So obviously, you know, the, the good old saying, it takes money to make money, right? But as, a, as an entrepreneur, being able to really understand that that person, whether it's freeing up your time to do higher level activities so you can grow your business, so you can research and push into a new market, whatever that may be, or if it's actual action items that the VA is doing that could lead to more opportunity for your business on the top line. I, I mean, I tell people we, we have a great story. We work with uh, with a, a wholesaler and fix and flip team out of, out of Jacksonville, and they're buying about seven different market markets up the southeast border. And um, we did we did a great case study with them. Our, they they ran a cold calling team of, of fifteen people for six months. We did it was like three hundred seventy thousand outbound dials to to you know prospective sellers. Just having that campaign netted them three point six million dollars that they said they would otherwise not had the resources, not had the time, wouldn't be able to, to knock down. So when you start looking at it as, Hey, I've got the systems, I'm invested, this training, the technology is set up correctly. Every hire you make should become an asset to your business, whether it's that person directly bringing dollars to the top line or that person freeing you up from 10, 12, $15 an hour type work so that you can do the $5,000 an hour work. You know, that that's how we, how we try to encourage our clients to look at their VAs and, and it's always tough, right? We all have sat in the masterminds where it's like, you know, how many $10 an hour tasks are you doing? And how much is your time worth? Like even me sitting here, like, I'm like, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I mean, if on paper, I'm probably only worth about 22 bucks an hour. Like if you really look at it, but 
you know, saying, hey, my per hour is worth $5,000 is hard for some people. But when you start really looking at, and, and, and one of the exercises we put our, our clients through, um, and, and I would encourage your listeners is, I, I, it's called the oh shoot moments. And we use a different word sometimes. But <laughs> every single time you're in your day to day, we have our clients chart this for, for a week. Every time you're like, oh shoot, I forgot to do that. Or, oh shoot, I don't want to do that. Or, oh shoot, I'm not good at that. That's the stuff you should be getting off your plate. That's the stuff you need to be hiring for because not only is it probably really not worth your time as a business owner, but it's also the stuff that's literally going to suck the life out of you, right? I'm sure most of your listeners, we were talking about this earlier, like entrepreneurship is not as sexy as it is on Instagram. So like help yourself, help your mental state, help your business, help the people around you, whether it's your teammates or your, your spouse, like put yourself in a place to succeed. And then whether it's employees or VAs, empower them to, to compliment you and, and take on the tasks that you know you either shouldn't be doing or that you know just isn't in your skill set to be, to be an expert at. Yeah. So Greg, I love how you said that about sucking the life out of you. I know there's a lot of people in my industry, the colleagues, people that I work with, other investors that are constantly, and myself included, complaining about all of these to do's and the, to, you know, the to-do list and the daily tasks of, you know, following up with this and like ordering appliances, following up with the appliance delivery and just like little tasks that are simple to do, but it just takes time. And then having to remember everything and what you said that, oh shoot, I forgot about this. Oh shoot. And I say, laundry because that actually happened to me this morning. I'm like, oh shoot, I got to follow up with that laundry pair for that empty unit before it gets tenanted. And so we do have systems. I mean, I have a system of like tracking all my tasks, but there are so many of them. It's just a lot to manage. And then when you're doing networking events and you're doing, you know, meetings with sellers and meetings with buyers and you're dealing with others, you know, other investors, maybe talking about a JV partnership. And so you, so many balls in the air. It's almost difficult to manage at all. And so I have a lot of those oh shoot moments. Uh, we do complain a lot, but what happens is it sucks the life out of you. And I want to come back to what you said there, because when that always down on you and there's times when it just gets so overwhelming, you just can't even seem to function. Life is heavy. You're not excited about getting up in the morning and going do what you love and if you can offload all of that onto somebody else and just manage them checking off the tasks on the list, then it lightens the load so that you're excited about getting up during the day and doing the things that you love and you start seeing progress happening. You get that traction that you mentioned earlier, more momentum. And so things are happening and then it's like, yeah, okay, we're getting... Oh, I almost swore. We're getting stuff done. And so <laughs> try to try to keep it nice. Um, so yeah, so I, I love that because that's the benefit that people don't really look at. It's almost like having a house cleaner come clean your house, right? They're just coming in and cleaning up your office. Yeah. No, exactly. Exactly. It's like what what yeah, what is the what is the trade-off there, right? And it's not like all of us where, like I said, where we're all trying to be billionaires, right? Like mo maybe you got into into real estate investing because you just want to put away for your kids' college. Maybe you got into real estate investing just because you were like me and you're like a bad employee where you're like really good at telling your boss to STFU and that's just not good in corporate America. You know what I mean? Or maybe 
you wanted to have a better work-life balance. Maybe you, you've, I mean, we were talking about kiddos. Yours are a little farther along than mine, but you've got a, a young family and you just, so many times, right? Real estate is sexy until you're in real estate. And then it's, you realize that, oh, this is actual work, right? This isn't just the ATM machine that the YouTube videos said it was, or the mastermind guru said it was, right? Like it takes real work, but it's it, when set up correctly, it's, it's so empowering and unlocking where you can, whether it's control your life, control your business, empower yourself, become that business owner, that actual entrepreneur. You know, I, I, I hope this resonates with a lot of the, a lot of your listeners. I, when I first started to kind of go down the entrepreneurial pathway, one of the, and it's a super simple quote, I'm sure lots of people have heard it, but like, there's a big difference between being a business owner and being self-employed. You know what I mean? Like the first time I heard that as a 24 year old, like that really hit me. I'm like, oh yeah, no, like that, there is a big difference there, right? Like running a business where you can take a vacation or you can just unplug for a weekend, right? Like how many, especially, you know, life of like an agent or a broker, like how many times can you just shut your phone off on a Saturday and Sunday and everything's going to be smooth operations? Like probably not unless you've got it set up correctly. Um, like I, the, the, the weight that we see, whether it's business professional weight, whether it's just life work, life balance weight, when you, you know, utilize VAs and really start scaling and multiplying yourself. Like it, it is so empowering and it's such a, I hate to say hack because that makes it seem easy. Cause it's, it's not, if you're doing it yourself, it takes work. We, we've talked about that. Um, but you know, it, 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 really allows you to be the best version of yourself, you know, to, to really build a company and focus on the culture that you want. And, and like I said, reap the rewards of that, whether those rewards are strictly financial, whether it's time back in your pocket, whether it's, you know, having this real estate thing on the side where you can retire 10 years earlier, right? Like whatever your outcome is, you know, being able to really play in your area of excellence and empowering others to either cover your gaps or just take on work that you know you don't want to do just everybody wins or at least, you know, that's how, how I kind of see it. Absolutely. You can either run a business or own a J O B like it's one or the other. It's not both. Absolutely. I feel you there. Um, yeah. So if people want to reach out to you, how do they reach out to you if they wanted to find out more? Cause uh, you got me. I mean, I'm in, I want to know more <laughs> like, um, so so where would people reach out to you to find out more? Definitely. So uh, website is rocketstation.com. Um, anybody who wants to kind of dive in deeper, something we talked about resonated, you want to nerd out on processes, you want to talk more about what the VAs can actually do, head over to discovery.rocketstation.com. So that's discovery dot rocketstation.com and then any listeners of the podcast um if we do move forward obviously we'll cover pricing and everything on the call but 75 percent off to get started i know we're all coming into the holidays and our time is getting even tighter and tighter so we appreciate you having us on and any of the listeners out there discovery.rockstation.com and you can get 75 percent off your first month with uh with a virtual assistant from us ha huh. And I didn't even have to negotiate that, guys. They just threw that in there. So that's really freaking awesome. So thank you for that. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm so down for that. There's so many things that I can, <laughs> can delegate right now that I would love to delegate. So if there's anything, that, I think the biggest takeaway, if you're listening to this show, is I want you to do this tomorrow when you're working. 
Every time you say, oh shoot, write it down what that task or that oh shoot moment was for. I think that would be a very interesting kind of uh, exercise to do just to kind of see what are the things that are not important enough that it's not at the forefront of your mind. It is important, but other things are a higher priority that you're remembering and all of this other stuff is falling by the wayside. So that would be a great experience or a great exercise to go through that and just see what are those Oshu moments. So then when you do book your call with Greg, then you can go through this list and say, well, these were my Oshu moments. Can you fill this gap? for me. So I think that's a great starting point. That's what I'm going to do. Yeah, and, I'll, and I'll give everybody a pro tip. Don't grab like a little sticky note or a little you know, <laughs> four by two. So I'll, no, seriously, pro tip here, take an eight by 11 piece of paper and fold it four times. So it starts like it can fit in your back pocket. And I promise you by lunchtime, that baby is unfolded and you've got it almost filled out. So pro tip eight by 11 paper necessary for the O shoot list. Oh, snap. That's a great. Oh my God. Okay. Now I'm curious. Okay. Yeah. So I'm going to be totally doing that. I want to see, um, like I said, I've done it already today. I know I have the, the one that just popped to my head when we're doing this recording was the laundry pair, but I know that there's other stuff. Uh, actually I just thought of one. (laughs) Um, yeah. So having said that guys reach out to him, discovery.rocketstation.com. It's Greg Brooks. Um, they're based out of, you're based out of Dallas though, right? Yep. Correct. Yeah. Based out of Dallas. And, uh, they've got, you know, 2,100, 2,100 VAs. So no matter what the task is, they can plug you with somebody that they have trained. And so, and again, the benefit to that is really uh, having them build out your SOP for you, which is where I think most people fail. I think that's the hard part for most people. And, uh, and then you can just go from there. So I love it. I'm like all in. I love it. Greg, thank you so much for doing this for me, for the audience, for sharing your time. That 75% off for the first month. That's amazing. Amazing deal. So thank you for everything. Oh, thank you for having us. And next time you, uh, you head South here, make sure we, uh, we grab, we grab a beer here down in, down in Dallas when it's a little warmer. Hey, I'm down for that. <laughs> yes. I'm, gonna say I'm down for that because it's cold up here right now. So I have any reason, oh, I, maybe if you tell me I owe you a beer for the show, then I'm going right. to have to come down there. So right. I think, uh, I think that's what it is. <laughs> Book it. Done. <laughs> Thanks so much for having All right, us. Greg. Thank you so much for your time again. And if you're listening, thank you again for tuning in. This is Danielle Chason on the Let's Get Real Estate podcast. I'm your host. And don't forget to rate and review so that we can share this with everyone in the world who needs it. I appreciate you. I appreciate your support. And until next week, signing off for now. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for listening to our podcast and congratulations on improving your education real estate. Please leave a review only if you felt we provided value as it would really help us if you would leave a five-star review so that we can help reach a broader audience. And don't forget to comment what you enjoyed and tell us what you are looking to learn more about. As always, thanks for your support and we'll see you on the next episode.